This is RevTech Podcast, where we discuss everything from business processes to measurement and technical alignment. The RevTech mission focuses on effectively managing and optimizing the go-to-market strategy through methodologies, tools, and best practices. We discuss the success criteria and technical fit guides for decision-making and ensure solutions align with the business goals. In this episode, our guest is Jacob Remsky, CEO of Swift AI with WYFT Swift. Uh, it's great to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. So let's dive right in. Give us the elevator pitch of Swift. Yeah. So Swift is an AI-powered revenue operations platform that automatically captures and updates CRM data directly from sales calls. So you can think of that in a million different ways, of course, but anything from a basic meeting summary all the way to custom fields and things like that that you might find in in Salesforce. Oh, I'm excited to to dig into that more as we get into the uh, demo part of this. And so you're the CEO. Uh, what is the founder story there? Where were you before? Why did you decide to start Swift? Yeah, good question. Um, back in October of 2022. It feels so, so long ago at this point. One of my, my two, I have two co-founders, but one of my two co-founders and I had started a company a few years back and uh, of course have always kept in touch and have always been interested in, in what was going on in RevTech and, and just the world of, of startups and tech in general. And at the time we're, we're very interested in open AI and, and all the, the work that was going on in artificial intelligence. And at the time we're, we're super keen to, to learn more about GPT-3 at the time uh, was their their flagship product. And I had come from a, a lot of revenue positions all the way from BDR up to a, an enterprise account executive. I had a, a stint in, in revenue operations and enablement. And so the problem that we solved today was a problem that I had dealt with personally, kind of both sides of it, right? As an account executive who didn't want to fill in the CRM after you know each and every call, um, and then living on the operations side of, of things as well, where we needed that data. And so it was really cool to see this new technology come up that really made something like this possible. And then, of course, a month later, at that time, this little tool that no one's ever heard of called ChatGPT was released to the world. And from there, we really saw an opportunity to, to solve this problem. And that's where uh, the idea for Swift came about. Yeah, it's always helpful that if you've been the one suffering from the problem and you're like, okay, I'm going to go solve for this with a, a brand new product. Those are the ones that typically succeed. Out of curiosity, what was the the other startup that you worked on with your co-founder? Yeah, back in 2000, it was very late 2015, we started a, a task outsourcing software. So I let individuals, we're from Chicago and we were, we launched in Chicago. So it let uh, local folks hire anyone from their community to take on odd jobs, tasks, independent contractors, things like that. Oh, very cool. Like a, like a Upwork or more in-person? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More, more in-person, but yeah, the, the idea of Upwork, TaskRabbit, things like that were big competitors. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What's the capital situation at the company? What is your current financing stage? What are you looking for the raise and uh, where, where are you planning to invest the most? So right now we're we're looking more in an angel round and really looking to invest in in both product and and sales. As you can imagine, the engineering efforts that go into a, a product like this are pretty intense. And my co-founders are are some of the best engineers around, and so we we definitely got to get them a little a little extra support and a little extra help. And then the account management and and sales side of things, we're going pretty fast and are getting plenty of accounts to to have managed. So a good problem to have, I like to say, when you have you know, customers and, and customers that you need to support. Uh, and so that's where, you know, we plan to, to make some big investments over the next year. Have you been bootstrapped to date? We have been. Yeah, we've been, we've been bootstrapped. We're very, you know, mindful of the capital situation and at the business and want to make sure we, uh, you know, don't overraise or anything like that, especially with, you know, what, what has been going on in the last two years or so. But uh, yeah, we've been bootstrapped uh, to date and, and have grown pretty organically. That's awesome. You mentioned, obviously, you have the sales and rev ops experience, and it sounds like you have engineering experience. As you're looking at an angel round, are you looking to round out the advisors that you want to bring into the business? 
Yeah, definitely. That's another big priority, I think, for us in, in 2024 is kind of rounding out the, the advisory board, you know, sales advisors, revenue advisors, uh, tech advisors, right? people on, on that side of the table as well. So absolutely, that's a big initiative here in, in 2024. Do you see the trend around the AI? Everyone is looking for investment opportunities in the AI-like solutions. Sounds like you're going that route as well. Is that really helping you to find the good angels, investors? Yeah, I mean, it's never it never hurts to strike while the iron's hot, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it it never hurts to be on that wave. You know, we we definitely don't call ourselves you know too much of a of an AI company. We don't develop our own models or, or artificial intelligence from the ground up, but we are completely AI powered and built with AI. And so that's definitely helps. Yeah. It would almost be silly to build from the, the ground up at this point. Yeah. I'm sure some companies are out there doing that with a, with a lot of capital, but yeah. yeah, it's like use what's already available. Yeah, definitely. And we've been, we've been partnered with OpenAI for, for quite some time and, and their products are, are, you know, cutting edge and, and absolutely amazing. So it's been a, a great partnership with them. I think that this environment is becoming more encouraging to right sort of for the product development. So they always recognize the opportunity here that, it, 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 you know, it's in the market that they essentially created. I think there's going to become more and more prevalent. But uh, it's, it's nice to see that the market is really responding with the financial opportunities and incentives yeah. uh, following that new technology. To your point, Lizzie, I think there's a still a, a fair amount of companies that have no choice. They have to do it all the way because they doubled down on this some time ago. Five years ago, yeah. yeah. Turning, turning this around is not that easy. It requires a certain skills on board. And I don't think there's enough skills in that space to, to be hired. So everyone is just scrambling to either reskill people or just simply overpay for the skills that are available. I think building a company based on different framework, it helps to save a lot of that resources. And for that reason, that's probably the second reason uh, why the investors are more open to invest in the, in the solutions uh, that, that already embrace that new technology. All right, let's move to the go to market. We were chatting a little bit for you, a few customers on board. I would love to understand what those customers look like uh, and what's kind of your target ideal customer profile as you're bringing it to market. So where we found the, the most success, um, you know, not super surprising, right, is very, very post-seed, generally B2B SaaS. Um, um, you know, our customers really have to do the, the, the vast majority of their selling via web conferencing. And so B2B SaaS has really uh, been, we've kind of, you know, hit the, hit the nail on the head, so to speak. And companies that really have invested in rev ops, sales ops, biz ops, right, those, those kinds of functions. Because that's really, you know, where we where we start our sales processes with those kinds of teams. And so going after those companies that have made the wise investment in revenue operations, for example, is really where um, our ICP seems to be the strongest. And are you mostly selling to uh, like a head of RevOps or someone in the office department or more the the sales leaders? It's it's definitely the whole team. Uh they, you know, the sales leaders, um, because of of our product and what we do, it, it it touches their team, right? Like our our end users are typically going to be the account executive type role, your customer success type role. We generally start with RevOps, sales ops, and even business operations, uh, and then typically the VP of sales gets involved, account management, customer success, simply because their their teams are uh, are going to be using the tool. And so, yeah, it's definitely the a lot of the revenue team. Is, is coming on board. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. As I was looking at your, your website, the first thing I thought of is like, it's kind of like Gong, but a little bit different and more AI based. So I'm curious to hear from your perspective, who do you consider your competitors? Is this Gong fall on that list or am I totally off base? Yeah. They, you know, it's funny enough, we actually integrate with Gong. Um, it's, go. it's one of our outside of uh, Salesforce and HubSpot. Uh, I want to say it's our most utilized uh, integration, funny enough. So Gong, we wouldn't typically describe as a, as a competitor. I think, You're sitting on the back end of it, essentially. Yeah. We generally yeah. sit in, in the middle of like a Gong and, and a HubSpot or Salesforce. Yeah. Right? So in terms of competition, you know, stuff like this is very new that often like our biggest competitor is the status quo. 
right? It's it's relying on your revenue teams to still do these things manually, to still go into Salesforce. At the end of the day, right, everyone remembers you block off that 30-minute, 45-minute block at the end of your day for pipeline updates and go throw everything into your opportunities or, you know, in Salesforce, your deals in HubSpot. And so that's really what we've seen be the biggest competitor. Yeah, is is really just the status quo. There's a, a few other small players in in the space, um, you know, ones that we have a, a ton of respect for. But in terms of the biggest one, it's definitely just what people are doing today, you know, and have been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. And asking, is it worth making the investment or can we just keep having our salespeople do it? Which will be interesting. Probably is already interesting as layoffs have occurred over the past year and a half or so. And those sales teams have gotten smaller, but need to produce just as much revenue. It's how do you offset that? Yeah, definitely. That's something that we're hearing pretty much every day, right? Is is 2024 goals. It's doing more with less. And how how can we, you know, keep the headcount and still grow and still hire deals, more deals, things like that. And that's where where Swift really fits in well with a lot of those initiatives. Yeah. My answer to that question as a revenue leader is you hire more salespeople. That's how you do right. it. But there obviously right. there are optimizations of how do you increase selling power without increasing the, the sales team, right? And that's where exactly. like Swift comes in. I think this, these metrics actually change and, I, and it, it will change for a long time. I'm questioning even the career path for a lot of the sales leaders and the CROs that are looking to expand their teams. At least in the past, that was a obvious kind of progression or in the career. Like, oh, I managed the, the bigger team, you know, and that was 400 people, it was 1,000 people, and so on and so on. But I think these people are rarely getting a question, you know, how, how, much, how much more productive did you make your team? How do you really rec- you know, recognize the opportunity and the capacity in your team? And then you apply different tactics, including systems that are helping them to be 120% productive and achieve the, the quota and so on and so on before you even think about expanding, right? And adding additional 50 headcounts. A long time ago, I stopped believing in this notion that if if the company is hiring additional 150, 200, 300 reps, that's an indication of something unique they're building. That that doesn't resonate with me anymore. I think it's a probably more of the problem that I would dig in and try to verify during my conversations with that company. They're really trusting that that's a strong indicator that something something positive is going on. So yeah, I'm, I'm challenging this. I'm really challenging the, the, all this uh, assumption that uh, behind more headcounts means I'm building a bigger organization and I'm more effective. Not necessarily. I think you have to ensure that your people are really productive. Sorry, yeah. it's a. It's probably not necessarily related to the problem we're going to discuss today, but it's it's a it's a one of the key status quo elements of probably your conversation you having with these individuals. Oh, when you put, when you putting your offer on the table and say, "Hey guys, this is how I can change your your cost base for the sales teams." Yeah, absolutely. We we hear it all the time, and and even aside from increasing headcount, right? Even if you still plan to increase headcount, like that's great, right? There's there's more being hired, and and that's amazing. But I think I hear it all the time. I think it was Salesforce's last state of state of sales report where they said, you know, most sales reps and most revenue teams are spending about 70% of their time on, on ad work. So whether you have 50 sales reps, 5,000 sales reps, and you're hiring more, there's still so much optimization to be made. And I think that's where you know something like Swift can come in and really take off a, a lot of that work off their plate so that whether you are hiring, whether you're not, whether you're planning to in- increase headcount, whether you're not, your team is more effective. I'm not surprised that they said that because they all just released the Einstein uh, <laughs> a feature that is removing the admin work on the sales side. But I, but I think it is there's something something to say about how we're thinking about uh, scaling the team, sales team specifically. And I would add one more thing on this because because I think it's important. I think the board of the company should start looking at this differently. When you want to keep your CRO accountable, you asking them that question: How do you make sure? That your team is productive before you hire one additional single person in your team. 
Spoken like a a true revenue operations leader. (laughs) It's in your blood. You can't get rid of it. I Um, love it. (laughs) No, I I think it's a really interesting point. And I'm thinking a lot about this. Like the typical career path of a seller is you come in entry level uh, sometimes and you're working as a BDR or SDR. And then you're slowly but surely like moving up. But a lot of the work you're doing is administrative, which is why they can hire entry level. And so as a sales leader, you can't just say, hey, you do the admin stuff and learn through the motions. You're going to have to come in. A lot of that admin is going to be taken care of by other tools. And the sales leader is going alongside enablement to really train these sellers up and get them up to speak quickly to be more strategic. And that's just going to change how we think about how we hire and how we manage sales teams. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we talk about a lot. If you can train less on whatever the sales motions are and in whatever data you're, you're looking to capture in, in your CRM, how much faster can you, you know, onboard an SDR and or a BDR and start sourcing deals? How much faster can an AE start closing deals? Um, so it's something that we talk about quite a bit. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. It's maybe less process training, which I think is a lot of yep. what the training tends to be, and more strategic training on the product and and what they're actually selling and how to, how to sell. I would so, ca- I would call it sales enablement. I mean, a true. Sales enablement. Enablement at the core, there is a product, and there is like how to build a relationship with your prospects and customers. That's what probably is the time that is needed the most in sales teams. So I'd love to learn how you're selling. Uh, you mentioned some of the partnerships you have uh, with with HubSpot and Gong and Salesforce. Are you utilizing those partners to go to market? You mentioned wanting to um, hire sales with some funding. What are the things that you're doing to go to market? Yeah, we are really sales and partnership driven. Um, so we we've uh, formed a, a couple of amazing partnerships with some private equity firms. You know, to to get into the portfolio, which has been really exciting. We have some pretty robust outbound functions. Luckily, the the scales of the the BDR in me and the account executive in me have helped quite a bit uh, with just sourcing deals cold, which has been amazing. And even partnering with RevOps consultants and things like that, um, kind of those those Salesforce dev shops, things like that, has been really really fruitful for us. That sounds awesome. Are you working on any other partnerships? It sounds like you are from a consultant kind of agency lens, but any other tech partnerships as well? Yeah, I mean, we're always open to everything. We have a partner program right now, so we even have individuals uh, in the industry who have signed up just to to be part of the the partner program. But yeah, we are working with more agencies and even a, a couple of other uh, complementary products and companies to partner up with as well. There, yeah. How does your partner program work? Pretty simple, pretty typical. Um, anyone who submits a, a lead our way or a warm introduction, if that deal ends up closing, uh, they get a kickback percentage on the on the value of the deal. Yeah, straightforward uh, partner program, but that's yeah, nice uh, complications, nice and easy. Yeah, at that stage, yeah, yeah, nice to promote though. Yeah, absolutely. So, do we want to dive into a demo? I'm dying. To yeah, see. let's do it. What do you want to share with us today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go through a, a super quick, super high level demo. There's uh, a really a few few parts of Swift that I, I always like to to show off um, because a few different teams are affected by Swift. And the most obvious one, of course, is going to be the end user. And like I mentioned, the account executive type role, your, your customer success, account management. And then the other side that I like to show is what I call the RevOps side of Swift. And so that's the configurability of it. And that's really where we differ from a lot of our competitors and a lot of the other tools out there. So after everything is integrated and implemented, like I said, we partner with with conversational intelligence tools like Gong. So there's really no setup for Swift. If you're using Gong, you'll be using Swift too, which is really cool. After uh, an account executive, for example, runs a customer meeting, they'll see a notification in Slack from Swift that looks like this. And this is just our internal instance of Swift at Swift. But what they'd be seeing here is all the data that Swift captured from that meeting that now needs to be put into the CRM. So again, you can think of this in a very simple way and say a meeting summary all the way down to, you can even see here, like the fields that we have in our opportunities in Salesforce, right? We want to know uh, which CRM do they use, which internal communication tool what sales methodology do they use? What are their identified goals and pains? Things like that. 
This is just letting the rep hey, say, say, hey, we found some information from that last call that is now out of date in the CRM and it needs to be pushed. It's going to include a link that looks like that, that will bring them to a page that looks like this. And this is really cool because this is where they can make any approvals and edits before actually pushing the data that we captured to the CRM. And so you can see here the meeting summary and then all the fields that the business has decided they want Swift to automate will show any suggested changes that will push into the CRM. So what's really cool is none of this is actually manually typed up. This is all configured and brought up by Swift. And so all the rep would need to do is approve these changes. And we'll push that directly to the proper places in the CRM. So they can approve changes, they can reject changes. If they don't like what Swift is suggesting, they can make edits as well. So they can manually make changes too. But generally speaking, a rep is only going to spend about 60 seconds on this page, which I love. I know it sounds counterintuitive for me to say I love when they aren't spending too much time in Swift, but at the end of the day, that's our job, right? Is to automate a lot of the admin work that these reps need to take care of. So the less time they're spending in here, the better, because that means they're out selling, sourcing deals, managing customer relationships, all that good stuff, which is super cool. So after they go through that, they just click the update opportunity button and all of that data is going to be pushed to the proper places in the CRM. From a partnerships lens, this is awesome because one of the few things that makes it into the CRM is often which partners are they using? Obviously, you can get that from data enrichment, but I'm often sitting in Gong doing searches to see, like, did any partners come up? So this is a very cool feature. Exactly. Yeah. So that's actually a common example that we hear during implementation is can we capture any integrations that they need, any partners that they're using, what's their tech stack, things like that. And when that's discussed in a call, we capture it automatically and push it to the proper place in Salesforce or HubSpot. So how long it really takes to integrate with the CRM? It takes a click. It takes about 60 seconds. We have pretty robust integrations with both Salesforce and HubSpot. Hey, that's an excellent selling point. I can tell you that. The next question yes. I have is whether this tool is helping to identify the source of the, of the opportunity in the conversation, right? So you have a multiple teams, probably marketing is not really sitting on the phone with the yeah. prospects, but you have SDRs, you have the reps, you know, so of course the CSMs and the partners, right? So these are the kind of sources that are very often available in almost any company. So is there a mechanism behind this that is really helping to identify this and then I can report in my native CRM how I would be performing in terms of the volume and, and value of all these opportunities? So if that's mentioned on a call, we can absolutely capture that and make sure that that's going anywhere in, in Salesforce or HubSpot that you need it to go. So for example, if you get a, a partner referral or a partner lead and that's discussed on the call, 100%. If we configure Swift to capture information like that, We'll capture that and sync it to wherever you need it to go in the CRM so that you can properly report. And one of the things that's nice too is this is all natively being synced to the CRM. So there's no package that you need to install or, or anything like that. This is all going wherever in the CRM you need it to go. And we can configure that on our end for you, which is pretty cool. I'm curious if you can create new opportunities from a conversation and also change the opportunity stage based on what you think it should be, because that is often something that's not well updated in a CRM. Absolutely. So you can do both. So if you wanted to say, we want to create a brand new opportunity, we can do that as well. And from there, we just associate an account to it, whichever account that opportunity should be. And now we're creating an opportunity instead of just editing an existing one. So depending on your sales motions, right? And, and at what stage of the sales process your, your team is actually creating opportunities, if it is after like a discovery call, for example, that's when that's most often going to be used. And yes, we can automate the, the stage of the deal as well. So if you have certain criteria, right? And say, if this happened on the meeting, the deal should be in stage three. We can update the stage for you as well. Awesome. This one conversation can trigger a lot of different actions depending on the who is on the call, who is the owner of the call on meeting, and, and allocate that record 
depending whether this is coming from partnership, coming from CSM, uh, you know, might be an upsell opportunity or amendment, right? Call it could be a renewal or it could be an acquisition opportunity in your business, call it uh, as well. Okay. Right. Even yeah. after the deal is closed and it's and it's done and they're implementing. Uh, yeah, we even have some implement, implementation folks uh, on it as well, which has been really cool to see. So that's very helpful. That's very helpful because um, a lot of a lot of times, like Lizzie pointed out, uh, you know, some of these records are just getting messed up uh, and they never get corrected. So when the conversation is fresh and you have ability to go over that, it is definitely helpful in saving a lot of time. The question for you I have is, how is this helping to trigger action items? Because I saw on the list, there are next steps, right? And you know, the one thing is to capture what you really discuss. Another one is to follow up on what you discussed. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that equation in order to be solved, you know, it, it has to be connected somehow, right? Like, so what you can solve on that front and how does this look in the, in the, in the system? Again, like I mentioned, very configurable. And something that we can do really in the in the configuration of the platform is do certain things with the data that's outside of just logging it to a field, right? And so action items is actually one of the best examples for that. We have a couple of customers who they capture action items with Swift. And then we've built a workflow here on the back end in their account that will create a task in Salesforce, a to-do task automatically with those action items. And so before the reps were responsible for finishing their meeting, they would, you know, kind of handwrite their notes, say, okay, here are my next steps, here are my to-dos, here are my action items, and then go and create a to-do task in Salesforce. We can build out a workflow that lets that happen automatically. So we can build out a workflow that creates a task for the action items that were discussed to make it a little more actionable. Right. So if you're living out of the CRM, you say, here are my to-dos for the day. They're automatically in there coming from Swift and coming from what was discussed. This is awesome. I think it's just really helping individuals to stay on top of their opportunities and uh, never forget that they have to do something about this. And you don't have to just jump between the different parts of your CRM in order to set it up. It can really pop up on the one page with everything else that you're updating. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all configured, which is kind of what I talked about earlier, the RevOps uh, side of Swift. It's all configured before the teams actually kick on. And so what's nice is you're not just automating process, which is great for, for one, you know, it's to get everyone back in selling, but a lot of the process changes that happen require enablement, right? If there's a big process change or if there's five new fields added to Salesforce, Oftentimes, you got to send out a company-wide Slack, or you got to pull everyone off the floor for half an hour and, and tell them you know, what you expect. With Swift, you don't have to do any of that. And so this is how everything is configured. Before we actually kick off with a team, we'll sit down with RevOps, SalesOps, and say, you know, hey, let us know what fields do you want us to be capturing, right? So it can be five, it can be 50, doesn't matter. Once we know what fields we're capturing, we build out what we call a prompt for each field. And this is really where the configuration is amazing because this is how we capture custom objects, custom fields in your CRM. It's awesome. It's like this is an example here. We have a field on, on our opportunities called CRM. It's just simply which CRM does the prospect use. And you can see that we actually prompt that. And that's how Swift knows what data to capture, how to capture it, if there's any nuance, any specifics with the business, if they want it templated, anything like that, it's really, really cool. And so this is how Swift actually knows what data to capture, how to capture it, all that good stuff. It's really customizable. So you mentioned that you're working with Gong. So okay. what's the area of cooperation between you both? I'm just curious. The integration with Gong is pretty simple. That's just our way to capture the, the audio from the meeting. Obviously, Swift needs to analyze the meeting in a similar you know, way that Gong does, just for a totally different reason. And that's capturing the CRM data that needs to be pushed in versus Gong is obviously conversational intelligence. So many of our customers use Gong. 
it just makes sense to to not have to use two different meeting bots or remember to use Gong and Swift. The integration with Gong has has helped a lot um, with the adoption. If you're using Gong, you're using Swift. And if your call is making its way into Gong, it'll make its way into Swift and just makes it a lot easier to adopt. Got it. So you you partner on the uh, conversation intelligence, but you actually are adding value on the task management and managing the information from Gong because they don't do that, right? I know they don't. Exactly. Yeah, we we partner with Gong Chorus. Um, we have you know if you don't use any conversational intelligence, we do have native Zoom and Microsoft Teams integrations. So you would simply just mm-hmm. need to record your meeting on Zoom. It's really just Swift's way of of getting access to to the audio in the meeting, so that we can analyze the meeting and then extract what needs to be pushed into the CRM. I'm assuming Google Meet is also on the list. Yes, sounds good. You're covering almost any 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 conversational solution. That is great. Yeah, great. yeah, exactly. And that's where those integrations with with Gong, for example, have been really really helpful. Like I said, I was in RevOps, so I know you know putting a, a new tool on the on the plate of the revenue teams is is often a challenge. And so integrating with a tool like Gong or Zoom that they're already using, they're already used to, and then just having it run really in the background uh, is something our customers like a lot. Outside of Salesforce and HubSpot, Gong is is the most used integration. And then the Slack integration is helpful too, to just prompt the sales teams to actually follow up and make the updates. When you're t- talking to customers and prospects, what metric or metrics are you saying that should move for their business once they implement Swift? Obviously, there's a time savings aspect to it. What are you having them focus on of improving their business once they implement and start using Swift? It's going to be the data hygiene. I mean, obviously, time savings and you know not spending forty percent of your week on on admin work is always amazing. But clean data is also extremely important. Without clean data, you know we can't forecast accurately. We spend you know our one on ones with with sales management updating the CRM or giving them the updates that should have been there to begin with. And so it's just having that data in your CRM in your single source of truth. That needs to be there. That's how we run our businesses. That's how we make informed decisions. It's how we properly manage our customer relationships, right? And all that turns into revenue. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my experience as an SDR, a BDR, an account executive, that because of poor hygiene, we reached out to current customers, right? Which is crazy. If you think about that, reaching out and and cold calling a current customer, but that's what bad data will do. And so that's really one of the main value props that we'll focus on outside of just time savings and, and process optimization is the clean data. Yeah, I had an hour-long conversation this morning about agency accounts that are duplicated across our two business units. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun talking to all the different companies we have uh, on this podcast, but so many of the product offerings, I'm like, yeah, that would be great if all the data was accurate within our Salesforce. And so this is this makes a lot of sense. The other company that we talked to was um Sweep that I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, Sweep IO. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like combining the solution with what Sweep is doing will get you to a level within Salesforce or HubSpot if they they start working on HubSpot as well that will help clean that up and make everyone's lives hopefully a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's data hygiene. It's something that, you know, has always been a problem that everyone's done. I mean, I can't tell you how long I've been dealing with it. And really with the the incredible advancements in, in generative AI, it's made something like this possible. So it's really the the mix. And this is why a lot of our customers buy, honestly, is if you only require or ask for three or four fields to be filled out on the opportunity, you're not getting a whole ton of data. But if you ask for 15, now you're taking the reps off the floor too much. You're probably going to end up with dummy data somewhere just so that they can move the deal from stage three to stage four or whatever it may be. And what a lot of our customers are doing now is capturing data on 2025 fields because you're not putting any more work on the reps plate, right? They often don't even know that you're adding more fields. They just think they've always been there and, and things like that. So that's really been the biggest perk for a lot of our customers is... Oh my God, we can capture 
30 fields now that we were never able to capture before because we're not asking the reps to spend 45 minutes filling everything out. So it's really been fantastic to see a lot of that happen. Well, and there's a lot of down funnel positive impacts of that, right? Obviously, sales forecasting is an easy one. We're doing new ICP definition work and we're like, oh, we wish we had a lot more data in Salesforce to figure out what our current customers are doing so that we can inform future customers. And so there's just a a lot of potential benefits once the data hygiene is there. Yeah. Competitive intel too. That's a big use case is what other vendors are prospects considering. Like what Gong do is is amazing where you can go in and, and see how they're speaking to it, if there's any objections, how the rep is responding, but oftentimes you just simply want to report on it. You simply want to say what other vendors we're losing to most often. Why are we losing to them? And that's another really, really fantastic use case that we've seen from a lot of our customers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there's obviously the last reason, also probably the win reason. So like what's getting brought up the most that we are seeing us uh, win in and what are those circumstances? Always always working both ways, right? You have to do this. This is, you know, bread and butter for someone who is trying to figure out, you know, how your sales process should look like. Because, you know, sometimes when people are telling you that, the deal might be lost already. So there's some work that needs to happen a long time before we get on the phone with you. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, you know, it's just a perception of where you are in the in the short list of of vendors and 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 how you position yourself against them. Yeah, so we actually have a customer that is automating like a churn risk reason, which is really cool. So even before, you know, you get to renewal, you can kind of capture yeah. throughout the renewal process. What are the things that have been mentioned, right? And capturing all that in Salesforce. Um, people are having a lot of fun with it. The use cases have been pretty amazing to see, uh, you know, what people are, are coming up with and, and what they're building on Swift. Well, yeah, I think what you just mentioned is like, what are the churn reasons? Very often there's a, there's a disagreement in the, within the company. What should be the options to choose from? So having an access to, you know, many calls, like you, you can quickly formulate the short list of all these reasons and after a couple of minutes agreeing, okay, this is what the numbers are. Let's stop debating what we think. And, you know, it's already in the record recordings and the system really told us, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter how many, how deep you want to go. If the customer is not really giving the answers or you don't ask the, these questions, you know, there's obviously a room for improving that, but you don't have to spend two meetings to agree or disagree on this, right? It's yeah. just there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Demetrius, you just gave me another value prop where we, we help reduce internal debates. I love it. <laughs> Man, I've been I've been in this for a while. Uh, yeah, so you know, it doesn't matter how smart people are. If you don't have access to the data, having the recordings and having a, a tool that can help you to consume and synthesize, it's just saving that time, which you know we just discussed over the last forty-five minutes almost. Yeah, and I like the fact that you can really collaborate a lot between the teams because you know Slack essentially is right. That's where you collaborate. Yeah. So. I know it's not a common practice, uh, but every single time when I have a conversation that I think is important with a prospect, I'm sharing with the team and I have to just write this manually by myself. That sucks, but having your tool, I don't have to spend a lot of time, right? It's just there. Exactly. I just said exactly. what I had, to, I had to say. I got the responses and I can have a synthesis of that conversation, paste it there and just forward. There you go. Yeah. Easy enough. Yeah. 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 As you were going to the demo, I was kicking up questions in my head about uh, future product development. So one of the things I was thinking about is, will you have something maybe with outreach or another tool that will actually put together an email to send as a follow-up? Or will you pull analysis eventually of recommendations based on the data that is coming up on these calls? Those are just my ideas. I'd love to hear, you know, what are what are you guys thinking about in terms of what's next for the product, either with the, the existing product or new features? My gosh, I could pull up my Trello right now and, and see the next six months. And it's really exciting. One thing actually that you can configure today is that email follow-up. So we do oh, have cool. a couple of customers that you know, they, they create a field in Swift and then prompt it to say, you know, draft an email follow-up based on the conversation and whatever the next steps were discussed and things like that. So definitely something that could be built on Swift today. 
really where the product is is headed to answer your question a little more directly is really based around the workflows. And so being able to automate a lot more sales motions, very common one that we hear a lot is the handoff process, right? Let's say between an account executive and a customer success manager. Oftentimes it's a 30 minute, 45 minute sit down, right? Between the CSM, the IM and the account executive. And it's why did they buy? What were their pain points? What did we sell them? You know, they go through a laundry list of questions really that have already been answered throughout the whole deal cycle. And automating that kind of data capture and automatically putting it into a deal room and generating, you know, a document like that uh, are the kind of workflows that we're building out. Our Slack integration is is gonna get pretty hefty, which is exciting. Microsoft Teams as as well in terms of internal communication. Uh, and then yeah, absolutely integrating with Sales Loft, Outreach. Groove and those tools to provide even more outbound functionality, things like that, and automating sales motions that may come from, you know, a BDR booking a meeting, for example, automatically creating an opportunity and summarizing the cold call that was made and why that prospect took a demo and routing that to the account executive and saying, hey, Jake booked a meeting for you. Here's the summary of the conversation. Here are the pain points that were discussed and things like that. So, that's really the next three to six months of Swift, which is really exciting. Like the the next step of things, which is yeah, awesome. Exactly. So I think that the real elephant in the room for these type of solutions is how far I can go in this notion of coaching people. Let's take the objection handling process. You know, there's there's a lot of young sales guys, gals, you know, they're trying to find a way in sales, but I think a lot of their success depends on how they're handling objections. Sure. And some of them are absolutely reasonable and some of them are just, you know, thrown out there just to see whether they can handle it, right? And how they're going to respond. Yeah. Right. You've been in sales, so you know what I'm talking about. How much of that you see to be number one, a trend in the category that you operate? I'm just curious to hear your opinion. And then how much of that are you planning to embrace beyond this obviously optimized administrative tooling and the kind of feature oriented product. So yeah, two, two questions for you. It's a question that we get quite a bit, right? Is how can I use Swift or for really more enablement and, and coaching purposes? And what I always say and where I think Swift is is the best fit is configuring it to capture, you know, the objections that were mentioned in a conversation. And then maybe let's call it the seller's responses to those objections. It's right there. The sales manager can use Swift to go and review a meeting and see the summary and see you know all the details that were captured, including that. Where I'd say we'll probably stop is the conversational intelligence that Gong really provides and the coaching that they do. Because I, I love Gong. I've used it personally in my own role. Um, so shout out to, to them. And I think that's really where, you know, up to the point that Swift would go is the recording of it, the video of it, um, and going back and listening to the call. I think Gong and Chorus are wonderful tools. When it comes to more of a snapshot or the process automation and just capturing the details a little more high level, I think that's where Swift is is the better fit. And so in terms of enablement, I'd say we, we go up to that. But in terms of actual training and, and coaching and things like that, Gong is, is a great tool for that chorus, any conversational intelligence tool like that. So where do you think the, the industry is going from here? Like, because it, you, know, it, you have a tools like Gong that are actually attacking the same space as, yeah. as, Clary, as Clary, right? Yeah. Just approaching this from different angle. You know, the first, yeah. you know, the guys were just using the data that is, that is in CRM and so still the old way. But yep. they became pretty sophisticated and successful with their approach. And I think this is still a dominant in that space. Yeah, they have a, you have a gong that really quickly started to move from the conversational tool, you know, somewhat getting commoditized from the recording perspective. But they tried to build the layers of uh, descriptive and predictive analytics, mm -hmm. but they're not still prescriptive, right? And I think that's where yeah. the, the, the juice is, right? Like that's where the real money is. In all these sales organizations going forward, but what's what's your take on this? I mean, I'm 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 
I'm trying to figure out where this is going because they are, it's, it's nice to really observe this competition between these two emerging technologies and probably there's a couple of others. Core is a little bit lost in momentum, but it's probably still somewhere in the mix of these tools. So, so what's your take on that? What I've seen is that's really interesting and something that we would even adopt, you know, at, at Swift like internally for our teams is AI is being used in really, really fascinating ways around this in terms of anything that's not spoken. And what I mean by that is I forget what tool it is, but there's a tool out there that when someone asks a question, you know, they say, do you have this integration? And I say, yes. And they smile and they, they're positively, it's not spoken, but they're positive, you know, about that. And they capture that reaction. I think that's really cool. And those are, those are insights that we haven't had in the past where it takes, you know, sitting through a 60 minute gong call to, to see that it's not really captured. There's a few tools out there that are starting to do that. I think that's fantastic. I think those are really, really uh, amazing things that I think the Clarys of the world and the gongs of the world are going to have to start adopting. I'm sure it's it's something that they've already thought about, but definitely something that I can see them doing and, and doing particularly well just due to the video element. But absolutely where I see a lot of the conversational intelligence almost going into conversational and like image intelligence. I don't, I don't know what they would call it, but yeah. something like that. You can tell as a seller, right? When someone gets excited about you know, your, your pitch and what you're, what you're selling and capturing that, I think is really where a lot of these tools are going to go. Yeah. I think it's exciting and creepy. Like I think what, uh, (laughs) open AI has done really well is text and audio. It's pretty straightforward when it comes to actually designing new creative and then also images. That's where there's still a lot of room for improvement, but it's also the piece to your point that like, I can get so much context from Salesforce. I can go in there and see what the rep is saying about this, what the data enrichment is around this account. But I have to go into Gong and watch the whole call to figure out the missing pieces. And is there an element that's going to start to really tell me more about what actually happened on the call? Did it go well? Did it yeah. not go well? Like yeah, what yeah. what what was the the mood of the call that I don't mm-hmm. have to go and spend sixty or thirty minutes reviewing? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's really uh, the next piece, I guess I would say, for conversational intelligence, right? And I think Clary and, and Gong and, and those players are really in a great position to do that versus Swift. Really, we really take on more of the process automation side yep. of things and, and automating your revenue motions so that you know your, your sellers can sell, can do what they were hired to do, source deals, sell, manage your customers, right? Not sit there and do data entry. And I think Gong and you know all, all those tools that I've mentioned are really perfect for training and coaching and enablement. And so that's why we've really found such a great integration with those tools because they complement each other so well in that respect. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating how the technology moved from their you know, recording, even meeting in person to yeah. online yeah. and then from online all these recordings started to become tokens. Like I, I, I'm trying to use this like a AI term, but it's it it really is right. Like a lot of that data is becoming available before it wasn't. I mean, we were not recording the meetings in person. There wouldn't be an opportunity to see whether I'm smiling or not, and whether there is right. a non-verbal cue from my behavior, how I talk, and what I what I do while I talk to you. Now we're talking about like. You know, adding additional layer of information that is just making to Liz's point, I don't have to watch this. I have a higher confidence that I will know what really happened, including the posture of someone who was in this call. How many times I blinked, for instance. Uh, I'm exaggerating, but you, you can you can see how much more data you're getting from a simple conversation that before you couldn't. And also you need to process just on the spot. Now you have a time, it can just replay and see this many, many times until you finally see it. Soon we're going to be wearing glasses to in-person meetings that record everything and print out all of the, the AI outputs from it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Next let's... 10 years there. Well, we're not. We're going to be in the metaverse, right? How are you solving that? You need to record it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is going to be recorded for yeah. sure. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's another topic for another podcast. I don't know how yeah. we're going to sell and we'll, we'll get started on our Vision Pro app. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, right? So that's the future. Uh, that is just right here on the corner. But it, it's still uh, fascinating to see this this process and how this impacts sales. Because to your point, yeah, all of that matters, right? I'm doing the same thing. With my sellers or sending me, oh, I had a conversation. Like, let me have a look, right? I see the data that Gong is giving me. There's a, some sort of sentiment, but I think it's Gong has a tendency to be a little bit more optimistic. It's a sales tool in the end, so it has to be optimistic. But I'm 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 critical, right? Like I'm I'm trying to look. I'm looking for some additional information that will tell me whether that's right or not. I was gonna say, is that a, a gong problem or a you problem based on the the optimism? It's always I'm, me. I'm joking. If you ask if you ask my wife, it's always me. Jake, I know you've mentioned a few companies that you're partnering with that you're really excited about what they're doing. Anyone else that you want to mention, whether they're partnerships or others in the market that you just think are doing awesome things? Yeah, you you mentioned it earlier. I was going to mention Sweep. They they uh, continue to impress me with everything that they're they're putting out. Them. Uh, Nectar AI, we've been really impressed by by a lot of of what they've put out. But I've had a, a couple of conversations with uh, a few of the folks at Sweep and have so much respect for for what they're doing. So yeah, have a, a yeah a love for them for sure. I've never been so excited for uh, a go to market tool as I was when I talked <laughs> to Sweep. Swift is is up there as well. Uh, what does Nectar do? I'm not familiar with them. Similar to to Sweep, Sweep obviously makes configuring Salesforce a lot easier, and Nectar makes configuring a lot of the the processes a lot easier. So, oh, interesting. Similar tools. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to get them on. Definitely, yeah. All right, that's the good place to stop. Jake, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, giving us a demo, and, and talking about the future of uh, the sales category. Appreciate that. Thank of course, you. of course. Yeah. Thank you both for having me on. It was a blast. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for listening to this episode of the RepTech Podcast. Please subscribe on the listening platform of your choice and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing.